Hello, welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. And in a twist, this is not a World Cup episode. What a what a surprise. There is still plenty happening across the NWCL, including all of the work of expansion. And today I'm joined by Alan Waxman, co-chair of Bay FC and co-founder and CEO of Sixth Street to discuss what's happening in the Bay Area when it comes to the launch of their new NWSL team. Now, they've made hires in a couple of key roles, like Brady Stewart, their new CEO, Lucy Rushton, their new general manager, but there's still a lot to get done before the 2024 season, which I'm saying this, it's July. It is going to be here before we know it, which is just terrible to consider, (laughs) but honestly, probably more stressful for Bay FC. But Bay FC also just found out some of what they're going to be working with as they start to think about actually building a roster, though there is, of course, still the small task of hiring and announcing a head coach first. But the NWCL announced how the two incoming expansion teams will handle who gets what in terms of picks between Bay FC and Utah Royals FC. We don't know yet when the 2024 draft is or when the expansion draft will be or most of the rules around these things, if they've changed at all. But here's a quick rundown of what we actually know so far. So Bay FC picks first in the expansion draft, which has two picks per round. So just very straightforward. Bay FC, Utah Royals, Bay FC, Utah Royals. That lasts for 12 rounds, 24 picks total. Utah will go first in the draft draft, no longer the college draft, just the NWSL draft. They'll get the number one pick in the first and third rounds. Bay FC gets the first pick in rounds two and four. And then Utah picked priority in the discovery order rankings and priority in the waiver wire order, whereas Bay FC took priority in the distribution order. And since this one is maybe a little less well-known, here is the league definition allowing the club to make the first selection among eligible U.S. women's national team players who are not currently in the NWSL but have chosen to enter the league. Is this a long-term play for waiting to see if Kent Macario wants to come back to California? Who knows? Anyway, I will be heading to San Jose tomorrow for the U.S. women's national team send-off game and expecting to see plenty of Bay FC folks floating around, plenty of merch floating around too. But in the meantime, I'm happy to share this conversation with Alan, who is Happily, as he said, out of a job when it comes to the day-to-day of Bay FC, but very much in the mix when it comes to what this team aspires to be. So here's Alan. How has uh, how has everything been, honestly? Like since the launch, it feels like every time I'm on social media, one of the players are at a different event. How how has the the past couple of weeks gone? Uh, it's 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 been fun. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of excitement. You know, when you do something like this, you never know what the response in the community is going to be. You think it's going to be good. You do all this analysis and you think it's going to be good. But I think what's been really exciting about this is just watching the community come together. We had our launch event. Uh, we thought we were going to have 500 to 1,000 people. We had 5,000 people show up, even though we had only a few weeks to sort of plan it. Um, so it's that, you know, the corporate sponsor community has been very proactively reaching out. I've had, I see people walking around the city with, with their, I don't know, Meg, if you don't have a hat, we got to get you one of the, <laughs> the Bay Area hats. But we got these like very like graffiti like hats. And even my kids are starting to think, you know, what I wear is cool. You know, they usually make fun of me. So I, I'm like hip again in my house, which is kind of fun. So anyways, it, it's been pretty exciting. When you see someone in the wild wearing Bay FC, like, do you immediately, are you like, hello, <laughs> that's me? I, I, I just, I just, I don't really think about that. I just think like this is, it's happening and it's, a, 
it's like almost like a movement in the Bay Area. The Bay Area, as you know, has not had a women's professional sports team, which is absolutely crazy because the Bay Area is like literally one of yeah. the best sports I mean, markets in the world. You know, like old days, WUSA. I, I wore when I saw Ali Wagner in France. I yeah. specifically packed a Bay Area Cyber jersey for her just to just to yeah. be like, we got to do a little shout out. Um, and she was like, we have to update you. And I was like, Love okay, it. but you know, I had a good eBay find. I have to wear that too. So. Hey. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. I want to I talk to you about a whole bunch of stuff because obviously, I, you know, it is still kind of early days of this team, but things are mm -hmm. starting to come into shape. And I know let's start with, with maybe the approach to player experience because I think that mm -hmm. has been such a big yeah. focus in the NWSL and is something that if you can kind of bring it in on day one, right, as part of like the foundation of what a club is built around, then it's already kind of an advantage in this league, I think. So what, where are you thinking in terms of like what's already in the works for player experience? Yeah. So a couple of things, step back. One of the things like when I first met Allie Wagner and she gave me the pitch on, you know, bringing, you know, the, the, the only women's professional sports team to the Bay area. One of the things that really resonated with me that the founding four, which I know, I know you know them well, is in the first part of their dialogue. Obviously, there's the opportunity, the fact that there's not a professional women's sports league, but this, the second thing they talk about is this, the player experience, making it special. When you look at the player experiences across really women's soccer globally, is that it's almost like an extension of the men's experience. Mm. And the thing that really resonated with me, you know, having two daughters, is talking about, it it's not shouldn't be an extension it should be its own thing it should be its own experience obviously men don't have menstrual cycles women's do they have different recovery times like it's it's different and everything's been built as an extension of men and making it literally focus on player care for women when they talked about that like a, a light went off in my head yeah. and really thinking about that and it's every aspect from you know the facilities like everything in the facilities that are built is built for women Everything as it relates to player care and like recovery times built for women. And they talked about that early on. It just really resonated with me because it felt different and where we've taken, where we're going forward. So that was kind of like the ethos of kind of one of the original things that really got us excited. But where we're at, as we're implementing the team, everything we're talking about in terms of, you know, the practice facility, the nutrition, the strength and training, like everything we're doing is with that. And, on after the World Cup, we will have a big announcement to make about literally one of the world's leading thinkers on this topic is going to be joining BFC, and we'll have more to talk about that after the World Cup. Okay, so but we've this, already this, got this, this, is, this is front and center. Yeah, we've already got a, a plan for for post World Cup. Um, just in terms of. You know, I think that there are obviously logistical challenges in terms of starting up an expansion team within a, a limited amount of time. But one of the things that is kind of front and center on player experience too is the training facility. I know there yeah. is the running gag on media calls now where you expect ESPN reporter Jeff Carlisle to come up <laughs> with the land for you. But like setting aside the actual logistical, I remember talking to Daniel Slayton about land yeah. acquisition very early on and her just being like, I'm learning a lot of things, but there is the sense of it's, it's more than just like, we have space for this. Like when you're thinking about a training facility and what you want to be there, like what is the dream vision of that training facility for Bay FC? So a couple of things. First of all, it's not me because 
Well, and, and it, it's got to be, you know, for women by women. So, you know, Danielle, Leslie, Brandy, Allie, all of their experiences, like, and by the way, that is going to be at the forefront. So, you know, designed by women and obviously women that have actually been players, world-class players. So that's part one. And then this other new person that will be joining BAFC brings it from a different experience. Um, her bringing, and it's, a, it's a she, bringing her together with those four Everything we do, every plan, everything, every little detail down to little the, the minuscule detail will be built around that, and that's sort of how we're de- how we're how we're designing it. That's number one, and then number two, as you know, we've committed publicly into the league that we're going to build a world class practice. So I was just over in Spain visiting, uh, spent uh, a day with Real Madrid and a day with Barcelona, touring their practice facilities, really trying to understand what are the things that. We can learn from them just their overall practice facility. So, you know, they've been around for, I don't know, 100 years. They've got, they've got some knowledge there. They're really trying to combine that in with, obviously, with the founding football for and all their experiences. So trying to get, like, the best knowledge, put it all together to create something that just hasn't been built Yet in the yet yet at least from our perspective in the world the way that we want to build it yeah what what is kind of the it's not really like a listing tour but I do get the sense that everybody's kind of going out and trying to figure out okay where can we maybe pull knowledge where can we look at something and say like oh maybe but if we tweak it this way it becomes something that is more like obviously you're going to Spain but are you going to other NWL teams? Are you considering other sports? Like what is the kind of learning tour happening yeah, right now? So, so, so just to be clear, it's not, it's not me. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a collective we when I, <laughs> Bay FC. Yeah. so Bay FC, yeah. obviously our, our CEO, Brady Stewart, which you talk about is an absolute superstar. We also have a, another hire to announce on, on the business side of our, on the business side of our team. Um, I think July 17th, another new hire to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to be under, uh, uh, under Brady, but, uh, look, they're going out there on listening tours. And I think they've, I mean, first of all, they know everyone, they have relationships and they're talking to everyone, what works, what doesn't work, what can we do better? And that's everything from NWSL teams, by the way, there's things that they can learn from. There's some pretty good, uh, women's football teams around the globe talking to them. And it's really trying to build the best knowledge, but also, Again, from their own experience, going back to that first you know conversation I had with Allie, really talking about it. And when they, I don't know, I mean, you, Meg, you know them pretty well. When they talk about this, this isn't like a nice to have. This is like a passionate issue. You know, this is a passionate yeah. thing that they are so focused on getting right. And again, that's the vision that we bought into, and that's why we're we're going to put so much. Re- Six Street's going to put so much resources behind that vision. How has the the process of, you know, Brady coming in as CEO, uh, you have your new GM and Lucy Russian, like, obviously, these are still kind of relatively everything is the timeline is compressed, but everything has kind of happened recently. How are they settling in? I mean, these feel like the two kind of big key hires right on both sides of the house for yeah. for Bay yeah. FC. What, have, what is the we first have couple? More, we, have, we have two more coming. All right. Two more coming. One in two weeks and one after the World Cup. Yeah. So we'll, um, two more big ones coming. But um, look, I said this to Brady. Uh, Brady was over uh, at dinner uh, at my house with with Lucy and a couple other a uh, uh, couple other people on the on the on the sporting side and. I looked at Brady, we were talking, and it, it, she started June 12th. That was her official date. Now, in fairness, she was working before 
Um, even though I told her to take a, I said, Brady, you should really take a vacation before you come. Cause we're, yeah. we're going like 20 hours a day, uh, which again, she started working, but we we're just, look, we're covering a lot of ground. It's, it's fast paced. I mean, it's a startup. Uh, the good news is in addition to, you know, Brady and, and Lucy, we've got, all, you know, six street has, you know, we have 500 professionals. We have, I think, Sixty probably has twelve people working on this, providing muscle until the team gets built. And you know what? What we talked about, we had our uh, what we call our war room call, where everyone gets together. The founding football four, Brady, uh, you know, all the people and all the six street. And our job at six street is to put ourselves out of a job. Like Brady put me out of a job. I was sort of interim CEO. So that's starting to happen. Is putting six street people out of a job, and really that that's really what's happening. And it's exciting, it's fast paced, but again. This we we've done this before, and Brady is an absolute. She's an absolute superstar, and Lucy, you know, Lucy's the hardest working woman in show business. I mean, she's just. I, I don't think there's an hour of the day I don't get text messages or emails from her. So it's just the energy. It's just a really good vibe energy that's happening. And again, it's like it feels like a mission. It feels something bigger than a startup. It feels like something much bigger. The stakes are much higher, and that's we kind of feel that. It's kind of special. And today, I mean, we found out today that we know some more info about, you know, the formation of the team with the NWSL announcing order of things in terms of the expansion draft, BFC getting that first pick, and then yep. knowing that you're going to get the first pick in the second and fourth rounds of the draft. Like, does it feel good to start getting these concrete details about <laughs> how all uh, of this is going to shake out? Uh, I, I'm for, I think it's my person. I probably won't feel good. Uh, I think you'll probably ask me this question every time we see. I probably won't feel good till year five, when uh, when everything's built and it's running exactly the way we want it to run, and we've got a best world class team, and it's all you know, it's all working exactly. Though that's when we'll feel good after after you know we've delivered the player experience, but also you know delivered you know a great product for our fan base in the community and making the community and the fan base proud. Um, so that, that's when I'll feel good. I won't feel good till then. So that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a personality crazy. thing, but uh, it's exciting. And it's fun. And, you know, what's really cool about it is, you know, one of the things that, you know, Rick Welch, Rick Welch is, he's on our board. Rick uh, is a you know five-time NBA champion. He's won everyone. He's a legend. He's an NBA hall of famer. If you know basketball, he's the idea behind the dream team, the all-star game and the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rick always talked about one of the things, Michael, how do you, how do you keep winning everywhere you go? And he said, the most important thing is this one team culture where there's a one team culture between the players, the sporting side, the business side, the fans, it's all kind of connected together. And when you can get all those things working together as one team and sort of one heartbeat, that's really the path to how he got to five NBA championships. So that. It feels like that. It's kind of in our DNA. It's in our like genetic code. And that it's just kind of happening. You, know, you write it on paper and you never know if it's going to play out in real life. And you can just start to see that happen the way everyone's working together. Um, so that it's been cool to see. Yeah, no, you talked about putting Sixth Street people out of a job. But in terms of bringing people on, you know, okay, so you've got two, you've got two more coming. Do you have kind of a sense of how big this front office is going to be of how big the technical staff is, or is like, what's kind of the, the process around hiring right now? Yeah, look, we've got a very specific plan and look what we're, we're building this team to set the standard of what a women's sports franchise should be. 
And if you sort of extrapolate what that is, and obviously you can see Brady, who's a super, super talent. When you see these other two people are bringing world-class people, we will have the most, we will commit more resources and capital to the sporting side of things and the business side of things and probably any women's professional sports team in the world. That's what we're, that's how we're, that's how we're looking at it. Just, I mean, I, what I think I find so fascinating about this, just like having been around the NWL since 2013 yeah. and, and seeing this kind of deep commitment here, but also uh, Michelle Kong in DC, right? Like the way that she is now taking this bigger global approach, the way that she is thinking mm -hmm. about investment, like it, these are two completely different worlds, right? Like it is just night and day. And yeah. when you think, when you're taking this approach, what do you think it unlocks for the NWL in general to have teams that are re like just absolutely striving with ambition to set a standard like this? Well, first of all, I think the job that like Michelle's done, you know, obviously the LA, San Diego, Kansas City, and not others. I'm, I'm, there's others that have done a great job. There. They, it's incredible, and they they've been the leaders. We're kind of coming in, you know, after them. I think what's the, I don't know if you the San Antonio Spurs. So we have a twenty percent ownership stake in the San Antonio Spurs, and one of the things that they have they have this they have this thing called the Rock, and it's pounding the Rock. It's actually from a poem by Jacob Reese, and it's basically this idea that you keep pounding the Rock, and the Rock keeps chipping off, but it looks like the Rock still still feels the same. And you keep chipping away, chipping away. And finally, there's one big hit that breaks the rock. And what's behind that, and the reason why the Spurs, like if you go visit the San Antonio Spurs practice, literally they have the rock there. If you hear Greg Popovich or, you know, probably the best NBA coach of all time or R.C. Buford, one of my very close friends and one of the best basketball executives in the world, along with, with Rick Welts, they talk about when the rock finally breaks, it's not that one hit. It's all the little hits before that actually made that happen. And I kind of feel like we're having that moment in the NWSL. There's so much. It's not just the NWSL. It even goes back to like the founding football four, like Brandy, Leslie, uh, you know, Allie, Danielle, like just all this stuff they did, Fowdy, like all the stuff they did before, all the work they did that no one, you know, obviously recognized, but not to what was deserved. What, you know, some of the early, you know, the, the NWSL pioneers, all that's kind of happened and we're having kind of a break the rock moment. It's all starting to happen. And that's kind of how I think about it. And I think it's really cool to see. But what I would say is that the NWSL, and by the way, global women's soccer is just getting started. I, again, I was over in Europe meeting with some of the top teams. As you know, we're partners with Real Madrid, Barcelona. We have, we're very close with Arsenal. We're very close with a number of the a number of the the largest Premier League teams, and what's happening over there too. Everyone's starting starting to get it, and the amount of resources and focus that's going into global women's soccer is again, it's it's cracking the rock, it's making a big dip in the rock, and it's all starting to happen. Deservedly shows, deservedly so. Should it have happened in 2013? Absolutely. Should it happen in you know you know. 2002 absolutely yeah. but you know again you need all those little hits they were all important to build up to that moment and we're at that moment right now which is pretty exciting yeah i love that i, I legitimately love that yeah it's it's <laughs> great i mean i'm curious Meg, your perspective i mean look you 
by all accounts, when, when I started researching the episode, I was like, who's the most knowledgeable person <laughs> on, you know, women's soccer in the U.S. and your name kept popping up. And I'd love to hear, what's your perspective? I mean, what do you see? You're your turning the tables on me. I love it. I love it. Okay. I, it. It is really interesting. Just be, I mean, I think about, you know, I'm originally from outside of Boston, right? So I, my first role in women's soccer was, uh, an intern for the Boston Breakers in 2001 in the press box, like writing, this was well before Twitter, right? So I was writing game updates in HTML uh, and publishing cool. them to the Boston so Breakers cool. website. Like they just trusted this random 15 year old kid to not shut down the entire website by accident. Love that. Um, Love that. So uh, it is like, I, this is what I think I have found really fascinating about this kind of next stage of the NWL is that you have players like Ali, Danielle, Leslie, Brandy coming back in and taking those experiences as players and being able to then shape the league in a way that makes the player experience, player safety, like all of these things a little more central. Like the business is obviously still important and I think everybody kind of fundamentally believes like, oh, no, we're doing this for business reasons, not because of it's a charity. Like, you know, we've kind of moved past that as a as a bigger narrative around this league. We've moved past the will the NWSL survive narrative. And now we're in this kind of explosive period of growth, but also thinking about like what this league actually is and who is in the room when decisions are are getting made and that to me is the big the big story that i'm always thinking about right now with the nwsl is who's in these rooms who's making decisions players are there what kind of money is there like that to me is kind of the fascinating part of this because in the early days of nwsl it was really just i mean it was generally a whole bunch of folks who believed in it, but also you needed U.S. soccer support in order for it to survive. And we've, again, we've moved past that, right? And to have the NWSL and more of this global conversation and not just the league being like, we're the best league in the world and and no one's going to challenge us. And now there is a challenge, right? You're talking about Europe all the time. Like that, that is to have pressure from Europe, to have pressure from the USL starting there. Like these are all good problems for the NWSL to have. So yeah. That's my, that, that's my yeah, little that, short version of it, but that, that, that makes sense. And I, I like what you said on their good problems to have, because all those, whether it's USL, whether it's Europe, by the way, Mexico too, Yeah. by the way, South America starting to think about this as well. It grows the women's game. And it's one of these things where, because I mean, 99% of the economics of soccer go to men, not women, all of that growing the game rising tide lifts all boats and everyone's going to benefit from that. And that's how we look at it too. Like it's, these are good problems to have because it's going to grow the women's game. And if you lift over, there's so much white space when you talk about 99% of the economics going to men versus women, by the way, that's nothing against men. Okay. I just want to be clear, but that just doesn't seem right. And that's why I think all these are good problems to have. Cause again, these are all signs that the, the Brock has been broken mm-hmm. and are certainly big, you know, in a big dent in it and it's going to, it's going to grow the women's game. And again, that's, that's something that, you know, six street is we're, we're all in on global women's soccer all in. Yeah. Like all in. <laughs> just, in <laughs> just in terms of that competition though, I think I, I would love to kind of dig into this um, a little bit with you just because I think that there is always this, 
I don't want to say panic, but I feel like there has always been this sense of like an us versus them thing, which I don't know if that's the most accurate or productive version. There's There should be competition for players. There should be like the NWSL should get pushed into making the league an attractive one for bringing players in, for keeping them, for, for paying players, right? 100%. But there is always a sense of like, do you, I, I just, I'm curious, like, do you find it a productive conversation to be like, the NWSL versus everyone else? Or do you think that there is a we, bigger conversation out there? We don't look at it that way. The way we look at it, because again, we're, look, we're we're investing in $125 million in, in the team. It was like, yeah. I don't know, 10X what the last expansion fee was. Um, and in order for us to win, like we need the entire neighborhood to mm. win. And the entire neighborhood is the entire neighborhood of the NWSL, but it's also the entire neighborhood of global women's soccer, you need games of consequence. You need the best clubs in Europe playing the best teams in the U.S., best clubs. You need you need that drama because that's going to continue to build the fan base. Obviously, the sponsorship, corporate sponsorship revenue will follow, by the way, for the players, for the players, the off-the-field opportunities um, will follow in terms of you know driving an income for, for the players and their families. You need all that to happen. So... Look, I think, I think from my own, and this maybe is a little provocative, but I think that's old way thinking. I think the new way thinking, this is everyone's in the same boat, everyone's in the same neighborhood, and we want to lift it all. And that's kind of how we look at it. And that's how you create franchises that women's sports franchises that are going to be worth a billion dollars. That's how the players, you know, start to come to, you know, over time parity with, with men's pay. Um, you need all that to happen together and you need it to happen as a team. And if it's like people like fighting against each other, like it's just, yeah. it's like we're fighting over 1%. Let's try to all get the other 10% together, the other 20%. So to me, like when I hear it and I hear, I've heard some of the same, you know, we were doing to, to me, that's old way thinking. And I think the mindset is we're trying to grow the, when I say we, it's like everybody let's grow this game together. Okay. Maybe a player goes from here, the NWSL, the, to the WSL, maybe it goes to you know Spain. But again, as long as it's growing the game, everybody's going to win because there's so much white space potential because of how the historical reasons that the whole ecosystem of the economics of sports has just been tilted against women, and those walls are now breaking down. Yeah, and I think we got to think about it in a neighborhood way versus like you know an individualistic way because yeah. we're all in this together. That's that's how we look at it. That's, I mean, uh, that to me is very encouraging because I, I feel like I have also kind of annually written some article of like, oh, this American player is going to, can ever, we're all, it's okay. It will be okay. But it's <laughs> one player. It'll be a tug of war. It'll be a tug yeah. of war. And that's a good thing because again, it creates, get, why does Real Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona then playing each other? Like that's, draw people want to watch that. The permit, like you need that because it creates a, if it flips back and forth, that's a good thing for the game. It's going to grow the game. It's going to grow the fan. It's going to grow the sponsor. It's going to grow the opportunities for the players off the field. So again, that to me is old way thinking. And again, we look at this and we look at companies all over the world. We look at sectors all over the world and the market opportunity is so big. It's got to be about the neighborhood. The neighborhood wins. Everyone's going to win. And that's, that's kind of how we look at it. All right, I want to talk about some things happening in your neighborhood because you've got the send-off game coming to San Jose. Yep. 
this is, I mean, I've watched it happen, right? Like you get a, a national team game in an NWSL market. There's obviously a, a great chance to try to raise awareness. Like what, what are the plans right now for that send off game? I'm, I'm guessing if people are coming, we will see Bay FC present. There will be, I don't know what's public, but um, I'll, uh, I'll just say what I, I'll say something will hopefully not get me in trouble with Bree. Okay. Um, we will definitely have a presence. Um, and what I'd say is that the earthquakes have been really great partners in allowing us to have the presence we're going to have at, at the game and obviously everything around the game. And we're look, the send off game is a, is a big game. It's a monumental moment just to see these incredible athletes going to go off and compete against the best athletes in the world. And look, we're excited. And I think your, your instincts are correct that, we will certainly have a presence and there might be a special video that plays sometime during halftime. I don't sure. know. All Hopefully right. I'm not getting in trouble by releasing that, but um, that's fair. I mean, you, you got to tease it a little bit, you know, it's yeah, I, I, I get, you know, I try yeah. to, I try, I just try to, I, I basically walk the line now. Brady. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I work for Brady. So I gotta keep her happy. Right. 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 And just, it's not, it's not only the send off game too, right? Like the NWSL has a chance here with the world cup. The fact that, Teams are going to be on the ground at the World Cup, really, for the first time ever. Angel City, obviously, having a presence, but the league will be floating around. KC is sending some, fo- you know, like, we're actually going to have kind of a physical <laughs> NWSL presence instead of just it happening over there. Um, how do you, when you're thinking about moments where you can take advantage of visibility, for launching a team, World Cup has to be up there. But what what is that bigger picture of, like, trying to grab some folks at this point and get them into your ecosystem. Yeah. Look, I I think we got, we want to tell the story of Bay FC and that, that, that story is look, number one, building a world-class team. We're going to literally global standard for world-class team. That's on the sporting side. That's on the business side and obviously assembling players, but all within all those three, and also our board, which is, you know, Cheryl Sandberg, one of the best business executives, you know, in the world, Rich, Rick, uh, uh, Rick Welts and Stacey Slaughter, again, on our board, you know, bringing all that together, but with people who buy into a one team culture, you know, people that really buy into that culture that I talked about with Rick Welts. So that's, that, that's sort of part one, but part two is the Bay Area is the best, it is one of the best sports markets in the world. And one of the things that you saw at the Golden State Warriors is that, more so than any any other NBA team, the players, whether it's Steph, Andre, who, as you know, is going to be an investor mm-hmm. uh, with Bay FC, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they did as well off the court as they did on the court. They're off the field opportunities because the Bay Area is literally the best corporate sponsor market in the world. Think about it. Google, Apple, like LinkedIn, like uh Airbnb, Uber, like go through the list of companies. And by the way, there's seven companies in the Bay Area you've never heard about that are going to be some of the biggest companies in the world with artificial intelligence. So telling that story, that's that's part of it, but also like player first mentality, which we talked about earlier. And that player first mentality is not only while the players are playing, but it's when they're done playing, giving them access to those networks, those social networks that allow them to have careers after they play soccer. And that's also something that we're very focused on. So the the player care doesn't only extend while while they're playing, but also after they play. And that's something that we've learned a lot from the Golden State Warriors and 
you know, Andre Iguodala has been super helpful in providing advice and wisdom on how best to do that. And that's why we're so focused on it. So look, for us, look, I think the World Cup's a great opportunity, but the most important thing is for us to like tell our story, you know, everywhere we, and again, uh, Brady, the founding football four, some of these people that will be announced very shortly, which I'm sure, I'm sure you'll fall up on that after this. Um, and you'll probably figure out a way to get it out of me, but, uh, you're, you're pretty good at that. But, uh, um, you know, just telling the story. We got a great story to tell. And again, we we're excited to tell it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's just for any team launching, there's a million things happening all at the same time. And it is, it is very, but I am, I'm looking, I'll be at the send off game. I'm looking forward to, to seeing right. folks in person. And just in terms of, you know, one, one final one, just obviously there are a lot of moving pieces. You've teased some hires, you've teased some new, like, what do you want people looking out for? Oh, you know what? Before we get, I had one last one for you. I want to uh -huh. know, I want to know how the the merch has gone over. So because I feel like, you know, you, you did a very smart thing in terms of new logo, new crest, and there was immediately merch available. How has that, and you know, you said you've seen it on people on the streets, but like, we have some good numbers happening so far. It's way above expectations. Um, way above expectations. Although I do have a, I, I do have a, a, a bone to pick here is that I've been trying to, I don't know if you've seen our letter jackets. Have yeah. you seen our debate? Yeah. I been, when, when you did the, the launch yeah. and we were all on a zoom together, I was legitimately texting Leslie to be like, your jacket is nice as hell. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I can't get one. I've been trying. No, I'm serious. I've literally been asking everyone. I can't even get our own merchandise. You know, the, the reality is so, again, it's, you know, just when we did our launch event, because we only expected 500 to 1,000 people, we ran out of merchandise. Mm. Like we literally ran out. And what's happened, because all this stuff, you know, we didn't have, we had our first employee June 12th, which was Brady. Thank goodness, because um, she, she took over my job, which was the best thing that ever happened at Bay FC. And, uh, like a lot of the merch, like it's, and it's all happening. As you know, look, Brady, superstar, she took, Levi's e-commerce business, e -commerce business directed consumer from like $300 million to like a $1.2 billion, something $1.3 billion. So a big part of our effort is getting, obviously spent a lot of time, again, not me, when I'm saying the team, on what's that going to look like? What's the vibe? Player first, you know, being known as footballers, that was something that, that the founding football, I know they've talked to you about this, is we want to be we don't want to be a chair. We want we, we we don't want to be a chair. We want to be known as footballers and really mm -hmm. keeping that consistency of that vibe through our merchandise. And like I said, it's been way above ex expectations to the point we ran out of in inventory. Um, and then also, again, I'm putting another plug in for for Brady and Leslie about how do I get a letter <laughs> a Bay FC letter jacket? Because literally, I've asked everyone and I can't get one. So if you could put in a good word, okay, with the football right. for, I'd be super appreciative. Next time I see one, I'm just gonna be like, those, you have to get this man jackets, a jacket. Like you have to sweet. get him. It's one of the nicest pieces of merch, and and that to me is what's really interesting because we know, like, we've heard from other teams that the like higher end items, jerseys, obviously are up there, but like that stuff sells like there is a market, not just for the t-shirts and all that kind of normal stuff that scarves, right. That you expect, but that there is still a demand also for the bigger ticket items to, to really invest in and, and have, but yeah, those, I just was like, man, yeah. that is, a, that is a nice, nice piece. It reminded me actually of for at the championship 
last year, the players that had been there since the first year of the league all got varsity jackets and it was amazing i actually like they they found becky sauerbrunn on the field and literally just was like here you go (laughs) you weren't at the ceremony before because you were playing i was like one of the only people standing around and it was just this beautiful gift and yeah it's just a nice varsity jacket is just very very clutch but you gotta get we'll we'll I, I think you're i think you're hitting on a trend of like just the overall like take that microcosm is that there's so much demand out, unmet demand. Mm. This is the right word, unmet demand for global women's soccer. And that, by the way, is not only viewing it, it's being part of the ecosystem. It's wearing the merch, the cool letter jackets, which I, which I still can't get. You know, it's, it's, it's the whole kind of vibe around it. And I think, again, that's why going back to the neighborhood point, like we need to set things up, whether it's NWSL, whether it's global women's soccer, to capture that unmet demand because it's there. And I think your point about, you know, the hiring items, I think there's a bit, uh, by the way, we've seen it ourselves. I'm sure the other teams, there's real demand for it because people are looking for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I could talk about March forever. Um, all right. But I want to, <laughs> I want to wrap us up because I know you've got, you got plenty of stuff to do, but just in terms of like what people should be looking out for from the team, obviously, you know, the social accounts are running again. Like I, I feel like I just see players at community events all the time already, but what are some things that, that folks should be looking out for at this point from Bay FC that you're, you're really excited about? I think what they should be looking out for is all the actions we take are consistent with building a world-class professional women's sports franchise. Every action we take, all the people we hire, the people we bring in, we're not solving for today's market. We're solving for the market five to 10 years from now because we think the demand's there and every action we do is going to be consistent with that. That's number one. And then number two, as it relates to the player care and thinking about the player, not only while they're playing with us, but also after they play after they play at Bay FC, is that every action we take will be consistent with that. And that's what they should be on the lookout is like, taking our words and seeing the actions. Words are one thing, but actions are everything and watching our actions. And like I said, we're, we're all in on this and it's not because it's a charity. It's because we, look, we, we, we made uh, invest, committed $125 million. It's because we think the demands there and the markets there in that rock, sorry, just going back to the rock, it's been broken and it's certainly dented. And we want to use all our, Sixth Street, all our relationships, all our muscle, all our networks to help unlock all the work that all the people that have been pounding that rock over the last 30 years. I mean, Brandy, incredible, you know, obviously Allie, Danielle, Leslie, everything they've done and many more I'm not mentioning and just kind of like getting behind that because it's, it's, you know, we always say, I sign off almost every email. I said, game time, it's game time. And that's what, that's what it is for the neighborhood. It's game time. So there you go. That's what they should be thinking about. Perfect. All right. I definitely appreciate the time. Obviously, we will we will be talking a lot over the next, I can't wait. next few months. I'll, so I love it. But so, if nothing else, hopefully I see you at the send-off game. And yeah. Uh, yeah, appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. And we love your podcast. So keep keep doing a great work. Thank it's you. It's awesome. Thank you. Take care. Thanks to Alan for the time. If you want to follow Bay FC, the handle is we are Bay FC on Twitter and Instagram if you're actually still on Twitter. But yeah, their website is also bayfc.com and that has all the links and all the merch you could want. 
now to get someone on getting Allen one of those sweet jackets. And real quick, just before we go, it is very much World Cup time. We have big plans for the show through the duration of the tournament. We're launching a newsletter that's women's soccer only, and that will be daily through the World Cup. We'll definitely help you make sure that you don't miss a single thing during this tournament. There are a lot of big things happening. We're going to have more information soon. There's a lot of moving pieces. I still have to book some hotels, some flights for the tail end of this tournament. You know, everything is happening. It's great. Um, there are links in the show notes to find all of our World Cup coverage, all of our NWSL coverage. You know what we do. We are adding Bay FC and Utah to the site soon as teams that you can follow. I promise that request is in. Also, just one last thought. Fill me in on what our plan is as a WOSO group for Twitter. I'm still there. I'm also new to Blue Sky. Meg Linehan there since my actual name was available for once. I will definitely still be on Instagram at it's Meg Linehan and we'll have plenty of photos and everything from the World Cup, from the send-off game, from the food I eat, you name it. I'm, I'm already thinking about those dumplings that I used to get in Auckland in January multiple times. Um, I will be posting those again. Are we waiting for threads? Like, let's let's figure this out as a group. Let me know. This has been Full Time with Meg Linehan. The show is produced by Michael Zimmerman. I'm Meg, of course. Thanks for listening, and we will be back soon. Mm-hmm.